Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of our Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let us stand and sing to God's praise. Our glory, laud, and honor. Hymn number 187. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come to you and we give you all glory, laud, and honor, for you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are high and lifted up, and your name is worthy of praise. Your name is above all other names, and at your feet, Father, we bow and we give you praise. Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who entered into the city of peace and brought true shalom for his people, who was willing to humble himself and to die on the cross, that he might rise again on the third day, conquering death and sin and hell. And Father, we thank you that he did this all for those he loved, all for his people. But Lord, as we come to give you praise this Palm Sunday, as we sing our loud hosannas, Father, we are ever mindful that we are a sinful and rebellious people that we still fall short of your glory. We confess to you, Lord, that we are not worthy of your presence. But we give praise to you, Father, for we know that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Indeed, Father, you have given us your Holy Spirit that your presence might abide with us, that we might come to you rightly in the righteousness of Jesus Christ as we are clothed in that righteousness. Lord, as we are conformed to the image of your Son more and more, as you seek to dispel the sin from us and make us holy and blameless in the Lord Jesus. And Father, as we come to you, we thank you that Christ indeed lives to intercede for us, that he sits at your right hand and prays for us without ceasing. And Lord, that he has taught his people to pray as we say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, how do we know what love is? How do we know God's love? Well, Scripture tells us that God showed His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus was willing to die for the ungodly. And as we bring now His tithes and our offerings, we consider that offering and we know that were the whole realm of nature ours, it would be a present far too small. But God's love, which is so amazing, so divine, demands our life, our souls, and our all. 
Let us pray. Dear Father, we are thankful for this beautiful day that you've given unto us to worship you and to sing your praises. Also a beautiful day to remember, to remember that you spared not your only son and your willingness to give him on the cross for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. We're thankful that you are a God who gives and continues to give. And we're thankful for the way that you call us as your people to follow your example and to give to the work of your kingdom. We pray your blessing upon these gifts to that end for your honor, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It's time for our children's story. Invite any children who would like to come down front and meet Miss Donna Hanna for your message today. Oh, what beautiful music. Hello, there we are. What beautiful music. Thank you so much. And I know God is so happy to see you all here and greeting him today. Hi. Well, we're going to talk a little bit. May I tell you a story, first of all? Would you like to hear a story? All right. I have a little friend. Her name is Noisy Nora, and she has a good friend called Theo. And so they were listening to Mrs. Merkel, their teacher, one day, and she was finishing the story about Jesus coming into the beautiful city of Jerusalem to celebrate a holy day. And Mrs. Merkel was saying, Oh, the children that surrounded Jesus on the donkey were so happy singing praises to him and touching him in love. And Jesus always loved the children and often asked the disciples to bring them to him, to teach them and to express his love for them. And on Palm Sunday, the children took palm branches and threw them in front of the donkey and waved them as Jesus passed to help keep him cool in that hot weather and yelled over and over, Hosanna, praise God in the highest. Isn't that wonderful? What did they say again? Hosanna, praise God in the highest. Say it with me. Hosanna. Praise God in the highest. Yeah, but if I had been there and if I were Jesus, said Theo, I would have come in on a great big white horse. You wouldn't do that if you were Jesus, Theo, said Nora. A big white horse might step on a little child. And besides, Mrs. Merkel said that Jesus chose a donkey because he wanted everyone to know that he was a king of peace and love. About that time, a car horn sounded. Nora got up immediately, announcing that her mom had come to pick her up. She grabbed her jacket and ran for the door. Theo yelled, don't forget your palm branch, Nora. It will help you remember to praise God like the Jewish children did. You know, Hosanna, praise God in the highest. Nora turned around and held up her arm. 
I don't need a palm branch, Theo. I have one. See, right here is my palm, and this is my limb or branch. She began waving her arm and shouting, Hosanna, praise to God in the highest. Bye. See you on Monday. Do you have a palm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't we all stand up and do this to the congregation? All right? Do you remember the words? Hosanna. Praise God in the highest. Say it with me. Hosanna. Praise God in the highest. We're going to stand up, turn around, and then we're going to march down the aisle and say, what? Here we go. Look at these beautiful smiling faces out here. You ready? All right. Say, here's, your, here's one. That's it. Hosanna. Praise God in the highest. Here we go to Sunday school. You ready? Come on. Let's go. Oh, that's how you got a There you go. There you go. Say it again. They want to hear it. Hosanna. Praise God. In the highest. Turn with me in the back of your red hymnals to selection number 33 on page 504, selection number 33, a responsive reading of Psalm 145, 
I will extol thee, my God and King, and bless thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall call thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. Of the glorious splendor of thy majesty, and of thy wondrous works, I will meditate. Men shall proclaim the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of thy abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his compassion is over all that he has made. All thy works shall give thanks to thee, O Lord, and all thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and tell of thy power. To make known to the sons of men thy mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of thy kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to thee, and thou givest them their food in due season. Thou openest thy hand, thou satisfiest the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways, and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Ascends the reading of the first lesson. Yeah. 
God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, choir. All through this season of Lent, we have been talking about the art of sacrifice and looking at various uh, passages, and today we'll continue that theme, in fact, complete it, and we'll be looking at a passage of Scripture in Matthew 27, which is not our normal Let's go to this one. We'll see if it still does it. Okay. Palm Sunday is usually a day when we emphasize the kingship of Jesus, and we're going to do that today, but we're not going to do it with a, uh, the typical Palm Sunday passage. There are all sorts of passages in Scripture uh, that declare Jesus king, sometimes even in a mocking fashion, like the one we see today. And even those who mock our Lord don't know that they're proclaiming truth even when they proclaim it. And that's what we'll see in this passage today. I encourage you to follow along in your own Bible or with your bulletin insert. I will read this passage for us today, found in Matthew 27. I will begin to read at verse 35. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross." So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him, for he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. I want you to think about where you were in 1967. Now I realize some of you weren't even born yet. But for those of you who were, where were you? What were you doing? What age were you? You know, in 1967 in this nation, Lyndon Johnson was the president. The median household income was $7,100. And you could go down to the corner gas station and fill up your car. Rather, the attendant would fill it for you with gas that cost 33 cents a gallon. 
which means for a typical 20-gallon tank, you could fill up for about $6 or thereabouts. And in that same year, 1967, there was a movie produced that carried the title Cool Hand Luke, starring Paul Newman. And Paul Newman's character in that movie gets to give one of the most famous cinematic lines of dialogue in the whole 20th century, and another character in that movie gives the same line with his fake southern accent. He said, what we've got here is a failure to communicate. I wonder how many wives have said that to their husbands. (laughs) Or how many husbands to their wives. Or how many parents to their children. How many managers and CEOs to their employees. How many elders to their preachers. Misunderstandings happen again and again, sometimes because those speaking aren't really clearly communicating, and sometimes because those who are supposed to be listening aren't really listening all that well, and sometimes because no one is really paying any attention. For example, back in the 1980s, an Air Canada flight ran out of fuel halfway between Montreal and Edmonton one day and had to perform an emergency landing and all of this excitement took place because the ground crew that day confused pounds with kilograms when they were fueling that airplane. A simple misunderstanding that almost had drastic consequences. In our passage this morning, we see an obvious misunderstanding between who Jesus really was and who all of these people that we read about perceived him to be as he's hanging there on the cross. Look at verse 39. Those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. But it's not only the passers-by. In verse 41 we read, So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and and we will believe in him. It's a tremendous and terrible misunderstanding. These people passing by and these religious leaders should have seen both Jesus and themselves in the scriptures. They should have known and they did know. Isaiah 53 which says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we esteemed him not. 
They should have remembered Psalm 22, that psalm that Jesus Himself employs while He's on the cross to give expression to His own grief and forsakenness when He quotes the first verse of that psalm, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We many times fail to read a little further in that psalm and see verse 7, which states, All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They they wag their heads. You know, in our culture, a sort of universal sign of disapproval and scorn is to do what? It's to go boo. You know, we see people booing at athletic events and games, at umpires, at referees, at players. We see it in political gatherings. We see people boo everywhere. That's because in our society, that's a way to show your disapproval. This wagging of heads like we see in this text and like we also see mentioned in Psalm 22 is an oriental gesture of scorn. It's like they're booing. You see, anyone who is placed on a cross is totally despised, cursed, according to the Scriptures. And we see that in these reactions from these people. Of course, this crucifixion means that it's the end of Jesus' ministry. He can't very well go around and and teach and preach and heal people when He's nailed to the cross. But I find it interesting in the way in which the synoptic gospels, that is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all use the same bookends for Jesus' ministry. We see that ministry began right after His temptation by Satan in the wilderness, and we see His ministry end with the crucifixion. But do you realize that the same question is asked? in both of those bookends? If you are the Son of God, then do thus and so. If you are really the Son of God, then command these stones to become bread. That's what Satan said. And then here are these people passing by in our text today. If you are the Son of God, come down. Come down from the cross. People never could understand him. Jesus even said so himself. In Matthew 13, we see Jesus answer a question from his disciples. They wanted to know why he always taught the people in parables. And Jesus said, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. What is it that you understand about Jesus? What is it that you know about Him beyond a shadow of a doubt? We need to notice why these people were mocking Him. It was all about the claims that He had made and the seeming inability or or helplessness to do anything about those claims while hanging there on the cross. Their understanding of God and thus of His Son was skewed. 
They could only see God in power. They could only see God in some miraculous sign. That's why they always said, show us a sign. That's how they understood God. They had to see something. And that's why we know they were faithless people. Because they always wanted to see God's power at work. I oftentimes wonder if they would have believed even if Jesus had come down from the cross. I don't think so. Because they had seen him perform miracles all over the villages and towns of Palestine. They had seen him again and again do these wonderful works that had to come from the power of God. The people proclaimed it so. He had raised Lazarus from the dead just a few days before. In Bethany, just one mile from Jerusalem, some of those very people, scribes, elders, religious leaders were there. They saw it with their own eyes. Would they have truly believed had he come down? You see, this part of the story should make us pause and ask an important question. What does Jesus need to do for you to actually believe in him? What does he need to do? I mean, does he need to heal you from that sickness or a loved one of yours? Does he need to give you that perfect job or that perfect spouse? Does he need to answer all of your questions and provide you with guidance for that decision beyond any doubt, that decision that you've prayed over so long? What will it take? Should it have to take anything? You know, in Matthew 16, we see the words of Jesus that an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. What must you see for Jesus to be real in your life? We have to remember what Hebrews 11 teaches us, that without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We'll never know what these religious leaders and these people passing by would have done had Jesus come down because, thank goodness, he was obedient to God the Father. He was the king of Israel. Indeed, he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And any king is a true king when he does what's best for his people regardless of the cost and not necessarily what they want him to do or what they would like for him to do. This is the attitude of the Lord Jesus willing to do what was best for you and me. I wonder if that's our attitude in life. Those of us who are in some position of leadership, those of us who have some sort of authority or influence over other people like our children or our grandchildren 
or those who work under us, are we willing to do what's best for them? Whether it makes them happy or not. Whether it will make them like us or not. You know, Jesus didn't worry about what people thought. And that's important because that's one of the great weaknesses of our society today. We so worry about what other people think about us, so much to the place that there are even television shows dealing with nothing except what somebody has worn out in public. I mean, come on. Jesus mainly cared about what God thought. He's the one willing to humble himself, to take on the form of flesh, to become obedient unto death, even death on a cross, because it was God's will. He's the one willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to bring God's plan and purpose to fruition. He's the one who, though he could have called on legions of angels, chose to remain on the cross and appear powerless. We know it was his decision. John 10 tells us, Jesus says, I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This charge I have received from my Father. You see, while the Jews could only see God in power, Jesus showed them and all of the world that God's not just about power, God's also about sacrificial love. They looked on the cross and saw someone who was impotent, someone who was powerless, basically someone who talked a good game but was a loser when it really mattered. What do you see when you look at Jesus and his cross? What kind of king is he to you? Martin Luther, of course, was one of the great reformers, a German pastor. In his call to meditate upon the cross, he gives a warning. He says, when some people look at the cross, they do so falsely in that they merely rail against Judas and the Jews. Some, he says, carry crucifixes to protect themselves from water, fire, and sword and and turn the, the suffering of Christ into some sort of protection against suffering. Some weep. And that's the end of it. But then he leaves us with this wonderful thought. The true contemplation is that in which the heart is crushed and the conscience smitten. You must be overwhelmed, he says, by the frightful wrath of God who so hated sin that he spared not his only begotten Son. You see, Jesus stayed on that cross so that you and I might live. Not just today, but forevermore. With Him and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit all through eternity. 
That's the kind of king we worship and adore. That's the kind of king we want. That's why we believe in him, because he stayed on the cross. And that's why we lift high the cross, to proclaim the love of Christ, to proclaim this art of sacrifice until all the world will adore his sacred name. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together.